Podcasting from their dining room table in California, it's the Stonebirds with Dave Stone and Katie Strandberg. Get it? Advice and encouragement from two goofballs who can barely run their own lives. Call now at 562-548-2012 to be a part of the show. Now welcome the Stonebirds. CCR. You know, CCR? You know CCR? I do know the name. You know CCR stands for? Cringe. No. <laughs> a lot of people think it stands for Credence Clearwater Revival. Yeah. Little known fact, it stands for Clarence, Charlie, and Randy. Wow. Those are the original members of the band. And they kept arguing. For example, Charlie said, I will name the band Charlie. Yeah. And Clarence was like, I think a better name would be Clarence. And of course, Randy had his two cents. And then they combined it. They said, let's just call CCR Clarence, Charlie, Randy. Do you think Randy is yeah. mad at the end? Like how it was CCR and uh-huh, he's the no, R? RCC. Yeah. Well, then you got copyright infringement issues with Royal Crown Cola. Oh, that's true. You can't have RC. Okay, so he can't be in the front. He could be in the middle. Uh, CRC. CRC. Clarence, Randy, and Charlie. Yeah. CRC. That's kind of like BRB. Yeah, BRB. Good joke, Cecil. Uh, I liked that. Hey. BRB. I don't think I've ever seen you smile. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was I'm proud new... of that one. Uh, yeah. That's... Like, that's a joyous smile you uh-huh. have. I'm so excited. Well, I do what I can. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well. Anyhow. All right. Well. I must uh, go in the other room now. Okay. All Is it right. Just your time to go. I'm gonna go listen to more Charlie Randy. Okay. Well, have. Okay. Uh-huh. All, right. All right. Clarence. What? We'll take it, buddy. Where's your eight track? Okay. I. We don't have eight track, buddy. Wanna say that I am loving Morning Cecil. Yeah, Morning, Morning Cecil. Cecil. He's a he's a hoot. Oh, he's a joy. He's not all revved up. Mm-hmm. He's you know he's just a little more tame. Just a little. Yeah. But it's fun, and it's flirty, and it's filthy. Wait, yeah. what? Filthy. It's not filthy. Okay. <laughs> Get your mind out of the gutter there, boo. Hi, boo. How about you, boo? Oh, my gosh. I am beyond good. What are you doing? Uh, I am just researching the youths. Okay. You know how they say you have to keep your enemies closer? Or what's that thing? I think that's the second part. The <laughs> That'd be weird if just no context. Got to keep your enemies closer. Uh, I'm terrified of youths, also known as, you know, younger people. What's a youth to you? What what age range are we talking? What am I terrified of? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, anything from 20 to 30. 20 to 30? 20 to 30. I thought you were talking like teenagers. Like, Mulaney's got that great bit about... Um, I'm not doing it justice, but like most terrifying thing to him is like a 14 year old because they'll they'll find exactly what you're insecure about and make fun of that. Yes, you know, they look will. Look at the guy with the high hips or yeah, something. They will. The high waist. Well, no, teenagers are an entirely 
I mean, that's obviously I'm terrified of them. Mm-hmm. Like that's just, but I, the the coming of age. Yeah. Oh, we're trying to figure it out. Mm, no, don't go figure. <laughs> Why don't. does that terrify you? Because I had the worst time. Because it oh. all comes back to me, boo. Uh-huh. And I had the worst time in the twenties. Really? Fe- like horrible. I met you at the end of your twenties. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> How was that going? Was, you were fun. <laughs> You were festive. I was festive. Mm-hmm. You know, I enjoyed to drink some sugar <laughs> uh, and uh, just, you know, cry a lot. There was crying. Yeah. A lot of crying. A lot of crying in your 20s. Yeah. What about you? Were your, your 20s were probably like, cool, and I'm, I'm in a pig mask and chainsaws. I, yeah, I did so much <laughs> in my 20s. I started my 20s in radio, and then I was in... Uh, Tour managing heavy metal bands, then I was a cop, then I went almost went to prison, and then I was a landscaper, and then I started comedy when I was twenty nine. Yeah. So my twenties were different. I didn't have time to sit around and cry. Well, uh, first of all, I wasn't just <laughs> sitting around and crying. How dare you? I was moving back and forth. That was horribly judgmental. I cannot believe you just said that. I am really hurt. How dare you? I don't sit around and cry. No, I didn't say How that you did. You? I'm just saying I didn't have I cannot time believe to you just that. said that. I wasn't necessarily. If we had a counselor, I'd be like, we're taking this to the counselor. You just told I'm gonna me bring you it cried to Dr. Your... Julie tomorrow. You just told me you Not cried. The whole... in your Obviously, 20s. I was being bigger comedically <laughs> to like make it funny. But no, I wasn't like friggin' just sitting in a you know field of tears. God, you make me sound like such a loser. Wow, I triggered you. <laughs> you did. I'm sorry, boo. I wasn't okay. I was trying to find my medications, and and you you were you know gallivanting around Georgia. I <laughs> I was just trying to live my truth. You know what I mean? I'm I'm here in the mean streets of Corona, and then I go to the Azusa to because I'm trying to be my dead older sister. Anyway, long story short, worked for my family's business on and off forever, and then you know just trying to get by. I was a sensitive Sally. Decided to go to improv. Mm-hmm. I went to Grand Lanes, went to Second City. I went to Improv Olympic. I went to every single improv class that ever existed. I went to Elizabeth Messing Acting School. I did a lot. Well, I'm sorry I brought it up. Oh wait. Um, anyway, I'm glad that you had a wonderful 20-something years But seriously, your you're, you're more um, intimidated or put off by 20-somethings than teenagers? Okay, well, when we lived in Long Beach and I was taking care of Dad and Jack was around, teenagers were my nightmare. Yeah. For sure. Because yeah. I was around them a lot more. Yeah. When you're amongst them, yeah, it's awful. They're just horrible. I was horrible as a teenager. I wasn't a crying mess, <laughs> like in my 20s and 30s, according to my husband. <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop. But uh, when you're around them, there's just this sense of you are the most uncool human in the yeah, world. Uh-huh. You know nothing. Which I always found that ironic because now it's like, guess what, you little idiot? You know nothing. <laughs> like, seriously. Like, hey, you're a teenager. I know you think you know everything, but in reality, you don't know shit. And uh, furthermore, your life's not that interesting. Yeah. I don't have to go to school. I don't have teachers. See, I kind of like... <laughs> I'm an adult, and I can do whatever the hell I want. <laughs> That's true. Mm-hmm. 
I never saw it as empowering. I always saw it as, oh no, they're going to like they're getting smarter. Oh, see, I, I, and I've never been intimidated by teenagers just for that really? reason because it's like, yeah, I, I was there. I, I, I used to think I was ten feet tall. Oh, and I can't and imagine you as a teenager. But then you get in your twenties, in your thirties, and you're like, oh, I didn't know shit. Yeah. Ergo, y'all don't know shit. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I. I guess we all kind of give teenagers, at least the people I was around, whatever. Uh, uh, oh, they're teenagers. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course they're teenagers. And it's like, yeah. And I get hormones and stuff. And hello, I'm like a mental case every day. So I get, you know, ups and downs and mania and all that. But like, but they're mean. Yeah. Well, they're we, mean. We've talked about that before as far as like people's <laughs> personalities. So mean. Like people... Any name, uh, I don't, I don't want to say uh, disorder or affliction, but you know, now that everybody's being diagnosed right. with something, you know, right. I'm on the spectrum, or I have this, or I have that, and just much like a teenager, how much of it is, oh, they're just a teenager and they're going through things and they're hormonal or whatever. Where's the line between that and like, yeah, regardless, you're kind of an asshole, yeah, or at least you're behaving like an asshole, yes, you know. So, and I've always been fascinated by that, like. Like I said, this person's hypothetically they're on the spectrum, okay. But also, is any part of it they just don't have manners? Yeah. Is any part of it can we chalk it up to them just being rude or yeah. not being taught manner? You know what I'm saying? Not to pick on people on the spectrum, I'm just using that as an example, or somebody with a another personality disorder. Oh, so and so's bipolar, depressed, or so, yeah. You know, and and I'm sympathetic to all that. Again, not punching down to those people i'm saying sometimes i feel like people use their disorder or their affliction or whatever as just a catch-all like yeah. hey none of this is my fault well as a, as someone that does that i think that's <laughs> totally invalid and how dare you say that just you- kidding no um i agree with you like i think it's yes there's afflictions and people have their own stuff going on but also you can say thank you, mm-hmm. and also yeah. you can clean your plate, and yeah. also you can you can still have. Listen, if you're an attitude monster, which most teenagers are that I've been around, then fine, be an attitude monster. But as long as they're doing a dish, and and cleaning their room, I don't care. Yeah, go get out of my hair. Don't linger around me. Ugh, you don't like me, and then you linger and judge. It's judgy. Yeah. That's what it is. I feel judged by the youths. Really judgment huh. yes because yes judgment there it is see I hate judgment and, and i don't just because not for this to sound too harsh but like i have to mildly respect your opinion before i can feel judged or anything by you like to me it's just like well i guess first of all i don't know any teenagers other than nephew jack but yeah. I, don't, I don't see him much anymore but so i just i don't know like Teenagers are just not even on my radar. Like, like if I'm in public or something and I see a, bu- a group of them and where someone else might be like, like the Mulaney bit, like, oh, God, they're about to roast me. They're about to make fun of me. Yeah, I don't give a shit. You're a teenager. Yeah, Get that's why way. they like you. They <laughs> like, care. Yeah. No, well, you carry that confidence. Mm-hmm. It's just like dating, you know. It's like it's like trying to you have to play the game as a lady and man or whoever whomever uh, you just it's you have to play games mm-hmm. and so you almost have to if you're a real feeler slash people pleaser like me 
you have to like go an extra mile to be like, okay, don't get attached. Don't da da da. Don't do, you know what I mean? And meanwhile, you're just like, yeah, I'm, I'm the best. And it's like, yeah, he is. Wow. Well, it's not even that I'm the best. It's that like, I don't know you and I don't care about your opinion. You yeah. know, on, on things of power. that nature. That's, that's a power move. And I like it. If we're talking about the context of a teenager, stranger, just roasting me or making fun of me, like, yeah, who, who are you? What do you do? What do you contribute? Yeah. yeah. Why don't you fuck off? I mean, if I get a text message from my nephews, like, like thank you, or uh, love you too, mm-hmm. I almost cry because I think it's the sweetest thing that's ever gifted me. Like, yeah. I love them so much that it's like, oh, thank you. Because I know that takes effort on their part. Yeah. That's not them just phoning it in. Like, that's like, no, I'm going to, you know, that would be like back in the day, us writing a thank you note. Like, yeah. You know, texting a full sentence is, they thought of me, they responded, that is all I needed. But it's just interesting because I'm like, I wasn't like that as a teenager. And then I'm like, oh, I was hormonal and just kind of, but I wasn't like rebellious. I was very, like with my elders, I was like, oh my gosh, like you're talking, I am going to shut up for an Mm -hmm. hour until you're done talking. And then I don't even know if I can talk after because is that rude? Yeah, and I think maybe there, there's the line I was searching for as far as, yes, we were all teenagers one time, and we all went through puberty and hormones and teen angst and whatever you want to call it. But at the same time, I still had common sense and common courtesy and manners. Well, and you were in due the to South. My, due to my upbringing. Yeah, yeah. South parents, is very polite, yeah, right? Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, it's, it's sure there's racism uh-huh. and awfulness, but like I'm just saying, like in the the way you're raised in the South, I'm assuming is much more like, oh, you yeah. say hello to everybody, yeah, you say thank you, manners, common you courtesy, open the door, mm-hmm. yeah, regardless of what's going on in your little teen angst brain, mm-hmm. you you can't if, if they if these values and, and manners and principles were instilled in you, there's no excuse to forget those. Like, well, I never got. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I never got the benefit of the doubt when it came to that. It's like, yeah, I don't care what you're going through. You're of able-minded body. You know to say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and thank you, and please, and open the door for your elders. Like, that was just expected. Like, you you can't can't fall back on this teenage shit. Like, you're not an idiot. We've raised you right. I understand you might be moody sometimes, but that doesn't give you the right to just completely forego all your manners and principles. I also forget that, like, now they, and I know I sound like such a grandmother, but I can't imagine having a screen in front of me from, like, birth. That's true. Like, you have a screen, like, you are experiencing the world through the computer, which is so interesting. And I'm not going to just shit all over it because I think a lot of youngins are smarter than me for always because they have so much... They're problem solvers Mm -hmm. in very specific ways because they have so much knowledge at their disposal. I'm not saying it's good or bad. And I know a lot of it is just gaming and whatever. But there's something so different about growing up in that. Yeah. And I can't imagine being a teenage girl, like, going uh, on Instagram. Like, Uh I would be terrified and so sad. There wasn't Facebook or anything in high school. There wasn't. You know, it was just all starting That's the internet. That's a great point. Like, how hard would it be to be a teenager in the day of social media? Oh, my God. I don't know. And how different would 
Ooh. Yeah, I, how I just almost a, cried thinking about it. How different would our teenage experiences have been if we were on Facebook and Instagram and all that? Yeah, like the sliding into the DMs, like that's a thing. Like that's a dating term. That's like a, hey, I slid into your DMs. Like because that's how people talk now. You're on Instagram, people talk, it's messaging. It's just like AOL, Messenger, whatever it is. Our public forum is now social media. That's our town square. Yeah. And so it's not weird to meet people on that, uh-huh. but it's definitely, it's definitely a different that is so muscle in weird. the brain. You know what I mean? To think about when I was a teenager and trying to date and trying to even just platonically make friends or whatever, the concept of doing that in any other context other than face-to-face human being. Yeah. Like, oh, I... I either go to school with you or I play sports with you or you're a friend of a friend. But, like, to interact and to try to meet people that you've never met in person, that was so foreign to me. Yeah. I've said this before, but I'm the last – one of the last generations or classes. uh, My entire uh, high school career, I didn't know what the internet was. Hmm. It existed in, like, you know, a a corporate setting, but, like – we didn't know what the internet was when I was in high school. I mean, I think we'd heard of it, and it was just something that maybe some scientists and engineers are on and using. Was it kind of like, oh, sorry to interrupt, but like, was it kind of like the metaverse? Like how I think of the metaverse, like I have no idea. Yeah. But I know it's going we knew that there way. Was a, we knew there was a thing. Yeah. But it didn't really affect us because we weren't on it day to day. I didn't get on the internet till I was a freshman in college. Yeah. 1996. But wow. my whole high school career, we're like, what? Online? Internet? What are you talking about? Yeah. High school, that internet was just starting. Uh-huh. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. And then college, you know, we had cell phones and stuff, but it wasn't it wasn't like apps and crap yeah, yet. Yeah. Not at all. Like yeah. that was yeah. I didn't so, have a I didn't have a smartphone till I moved to LA. Really? 2012. Oh, I didn't have an iPhone until 2012. Oh well, yeah, I had a Nokia. Oh, I had a Nokia. Do you Mm. remember those? Like the, the, it was just a thin Nokia with the buttons. That was like my first cell phone. What was the one that chirped? A lot of like construction dudes. It was almost like a walkie-talkie. Yeah. Oh, the was that the Switch? I don't know. Do you remember the Switch? That was Paris Hilton was hawking that for a while. It was a weird. It looked like a Game Boy. And you could oh, text yeah. on it, and then you turn it around and use it as a phone. Kind of like a BlackBerry. Yeah, thing. it was like, ooh, it, yeah, it was pre-BlackBerry, yeah. I think. Oh. Or BlackBerry was like, oh, and I remember when people had Blackberries. Like, right after college, I remember going to interviews and seeing people, like, on their BlackBerry. And I'd be like, oh, they're so businessy and yeah. cool. Oh, my this God. This little stylus. Yeah. There's, yes, yes. I loved it. And, oh, I just remember and being... All BlackBerry owners, really. I didn't have a cell phone till I was 23. That makes sense. Yeah. That checks out. Yeah. Did they phone? have cell phones back then? Back in Georgia, we just <laughs> go out on the porch and holler across the valley. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's we're so far removed from that, and the fact that we don't have kids ourselves, like... Well, and I, I we live in a place where there's not a lot of kids. So when you just yeah. said that to me, I'm like, oh, I've been around them, thank God. And yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, I choose not to be around them. <laughs> I literally have chosen, like, many places where kids are like, what? Like, when we hear a kid cry in our neighborhood, it's like, it's what? weird. It's, yeah. something's going on. Yeah. What's happening? Why? 
Why is there a kid? I've often thought about this, like, in the past, not so much anymore, because I know that it's never going to be an issue. Um, but, like, the the conversation of when should a child have access to the internet or a computer or an iPad. Screen time and all Screen that. Screen time. You know? Yeah, I have no idea what the rule is on that. And it's easy for me to sit here and judge, because I don't have kids, and I've I heard more than one parent tell me like yeah it's uh at the very least it keeps them occupied i know that they're not you know rummaging through the 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 cabinets and getting into things that are dangerous or whatever you know or outside in the yard starting fires like treating the ipad as like a babysitter kind of and i see the pros and cons to that and i'm not judging because again i've never had to raise a kid and keep a kid occupied and entertained 24-7. But, like, yeah, I just feel like if we had hypothetical kids, I wouldn't want them to be online. I, I would want to wait as long as possible. I like, think that's a great point. But I also think it's not like us. It's one of those things where, like, oh, TV. When I was growing up, I would watch TV Yeah, much, what's the right? difference? It's the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't just sit in front of the TV and stare the whole time. I mean, I would have. Mm-hmm. Trust me. Loved the TV. But, like, yeah, I think you get used to it, and then it's just, like, another thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Maybe it's like that. But, yeah, screen time with kids, I don't know. I Hell, I'd be like, here, have seven iPads and leave me alone. I don't See, know. I always I thought I, if, if I Go was away. a parent, I know kids, you know, for educational purposes and stuff, need access to the internet. But I, we would have, hypothetically, if we had a kid. Oh, my gosh, I love this. Go ahead. We'd have one desktop computer <laughs> oh in the in the common area, in okay. the living room or the kitchen or something, with it facing... Not facing against the wall, where, where everybody can see what you're doing if you're sitting at the desk oh, on the computer. Oh, no. No, but seriously. Privacy. I don't think a kid needs privacy I on the do. internet. Well, no, because it's embarrassing. Like, what if they're talking to their friends or texting or, you know, their iMessaging? When we were talking on the phone, I used to talk to my friends all the time on the phone, and my parents could hear my side of the conversation. Well, same, but uh, but they didn't hear the your friend's side. They're not like listening. Well, I'm not saying you gotta. We'd be standing over his shoulder reading You're, his DMs. You'd be DMs. a strict. No, but parent. you know what I'm saying. Oh, like you can oh. get on the internet <laughs> and do your homework and research yeah. a school paper. But I just feel like if I if 12, 13 year old Dave had an iPhone and an iPad and a laptop, yeah, boobs. You know, boobs, I boobs. Would have, I would have never gotten anything accomplished. Yeah, yeah. It would just been boobs, <laughs> boobs and sports. It's like I would either and be Sasquatch. looking at boobs or reading about Bo Jackson. <laughs> no, but I just feel like that's kind of um, a, a, a compromise in that. Like, all right, we you can be on the internet and maybe have times. You know, you can have you can have this window of time, but like. It's going to be in the living room, and everybody's going to be able to see what you're doing. Wow. Because wow. why not? Uh, I don't know. What it's is a kid doing like their online? Phone. Like, I don't, want to, I don't want to read your phone. I don't want to read anyone's phone. No, I'm not. Unless I'm, like, interested in And again, I'm not standing over their shoulder, but just, I don't know. Maybe I'm projecting. I wouldn't have trusted my, <laughs> wow. my 12-year-old self <laughs> yeah. with with. Full internet behind closed doors. Would you? Oh, okay. Here's my question. If you had 
would you do parental controls on the television? Do you know what that is? That that move? You can yeah. you can basically block certain I think so, right? I think you have oh to. Oh my god, no! Let him explore. Really? Who cares? Yeah. Here's my thing. There's well, some pretty adult stuff <laughs> on these do... streaming services. You know, HBO and stuff, they're gonna watch Yeah. A lot of this stuff. I was watching Heat like when I was seven. <laughs> well, Heat's an American classic. <laughs> no, but we think that. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. You know, I imagine when I think of like screen time and all that, I think of two different sets of parents, right? Uh So in my head, I think of like Maggie Gyllenhaal and her husband in real life, like as the granola parents, right? Like why her? Why did you pick her? Because she's she's not screen time, right? Uh So that would be on the other end. Is it Gyllenhaal or Gyllenhaal? Whatever. I I never knew. Jill Gill. Jill Gill. I don't know. Jake. Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gill. Gyllenhaal. Hmm. People are just screaming in their cars. (laughs) What? Anyway, (gasps) her and her husband, I imagine them having like books and like organic fruit and, you know, just (laughs) like it's draped over a long, huge table. And they're just like, hello, children, let's go make yarn outside made out of, you know, banana leaves. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Uh or the screen time, I think of a like a very like moderny minivan commercial. Like mm-hmm. everyone has an eye watch, and every move is calculated. And no, like so, there those are my two bipolar opposite parenting styles mm-hmm. that are based not on reality at all. So that's my parenting. Do you thoughts. think? <laughs> and, and again, having no knowledge. <clears throat> yeah, none. Do none. you think all the access to? iPads and video games and iPhones and stuff, has that quelled the childhood go outdoors, get dirty, play games, explore nature? I mean, yeah, I guess the obvious answer is yes, but I also think... See, I would install mandatory outdoor time if if we had kids. But a lot of people don't have access to an outside space Mm -hmm. or even... You know what I mean? Like, we have to... Like, I don't know. It, it's scary out now. Yeah. It's a scary time. If you live in a city, if you live, you know, I can't imagine being a parent and being like, okay, go outside. Don't go to the public park, though. I don't know. Let's just get a fence. Like, I don't yeah. know where I'm going to take yeah, you. Yeah, I used to wander. Yeah. All over. Oh, my God. Again, I was Nell. Mm-hmm. Like, the creature, woodland creature, just roaming around, making avocado soup, doing weird spells. Did I ever tell you about the time that my whole gang, my whole crew, I had a whole crew <laughs> from the time I was about 5 to 12. I lived in uh, Woodstock, Georgia. We lived in Driftwood Forest subdivision. And it was just one of those developments that probably had 200 homes. And I probably had 20 little buddies. Oh, my God. That's adorable. And one time when I was like 5 or 6, I was little, like kindergarten or first grade, about two miles down the road, outside of the subdivision, on the main roads, there was the nearest gas station. I think it was called the Quick Stop. Oh. But it was a little mom and pop, yeah. like 1970s little gas station slash convenience store. But uh, one time, and we would always go there with our parents, but it was too far to like walk or, drive or ride your bike to. But one day the whole crew was like, hey, tomorrow, let's all go to the Quick Stop. Oh. And it was like some Goonies action. Ooh, okay. We all met up at like 9 in the morning. And I think we had all, you know, something like we all had access to a little bit of cash. You know, yeah. all our allowances hit around the same time. 
but everybody had a couple of bucks. And it was like, all right, tomorrow we're going to all meet and we're going to ride our bikes caravan style all the way to the quick stop. And we're going to load up on bubble gum and candies and sodas. And we're going to come back and we're going to chow down. And we did that. And it felt like an all-day adventure. Wow. Like it felt like, oh, my God, we're not supposed to be doing this. Because we're literally riding our bikes on like this busy main, like not like a city street, but a county roadway. Yes. You know, on the shoulder. Just, you know, eight or ten little dipshit five to ten-year-old boys. That is amazing. Yeah. Wow. And then years later, my mom <clears throat> found out about it and got so pissed, like, retroactively. Like, oh, really? I can't really? believe you did that at that age. How far away was it again? It's like two or three miles. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I just was picturing it, like, across the street. Yeah. Oh, boy. It'd be like us now, if I was a kid riding my bike to Amoeba, you know? That's still a haul for oh, a Oh, I would have murdered you. Yeah, yeah I would have murdered you. And yeah. then there's no, it's a, the... Woodland roads, right? So mm-hmm. there's no sidewalk. Yeah, well, no sidewalks. Sidewalkies. Yeah, cars honking going oh, around us. Oh, my God. Boo. But I got a bunch of Big League Chew and some Mr. Pibb, and I was happy. Big League Chew. Th- yeah. That was dope. I loved that. It's the best. That first pinch mm-hmm. with the flavor. <laughs> first pinch. Oh, chef's kiss. It's the best thing. Yeah. It was just the best. Yeah. It's good times. But, yeah, I mean, I know this is kind of, you know, obvious conversation, but just the changes and the yeah, I can't that imagine kids deal with now than what we deal with well, and and <clears> for <throat> some better and for some worse, you know, I think it's good. I mean, I can't imagine at least with when I would check into Jack's life because I was like, Oh, maybe I should check in with somebody else in my own world. Um, they would do a lot of, since it was COVID, it was a lot of online stuff and, a, you know, but the, what they're learning now is, you know, there's a, there's media class and there's all this really cool stuff because yeah. you know a lot of jobs you're online all the time sure. blah 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 so it's like a different thing and that fascinated me like I would have loved to take in like video editing in high school yeah. and but it was ju- it's it's just a part of their curriculum now yeah. because it's a part of their life but like a lot of stuff is online and it feels it's kind of a cool way of doing it now i don't know like it's just in my head i always just picture school going back to school now as like what school was like growing up for me yeah (laughs) and it's like no it's not like that anymore and how cool thank god yeah thank god there isn't the dewey decimal system and thank god you know even though that is a cool tool and people should use it i'm sure the dewey decimal system system. that came out of that was like in the back that's in the back gate of my mind Mm -hmm. right now Ooh, do you remember that? Yeah, I don't really remember how it worked. It was it was a library with, thing. It was a library thing, and there was drawers and yes. cards, and it had something to do with being alphabetized. Yes. But where did the decimals come no in? No idea, but I was fascinated by those drawers. Mm-hmm. Fascinated. Yeah. Do you remember? I remember the library drawers and just being like, whoa, those are cool yeah. and organized and like scholastic and there was a different smell in mm-hmm. the library that i really liked i appreciated the smell and the quiet yeah loved the smell loved the quiet man speaking of dewey decimal system and things like that do you remember what was it called there was basically like an analog newspaper internet do you know what i mean that yes. machine there was a machine was it? and then it would like magnify old uh newspaper oh, articles yes 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 
and you'd it's in every Ashley Judd movie in the nineties. Yeah, yes. it felt like you would scroll uh, east west, yes. not north south. It was so cool, yeah. and it was big, and it was yeah. You felt like a cool detective. Yeah. Oh, what was that called? I can't remember. Again, people are screaming. That was a good time. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. I liked the library. Yeah. Then of course you mentioned like the Scholastic Book Fair. Oh. Is that what's called the book fair? Yeah. <sighs> the book fair. Okay. That was really my first brush with capitalism. Really? Yeah. It was the first time I ever oh, got to yeah. buy something on my own was, oh, Mom, we got the book fair this week, and they give you a couple bucks. Huh. You go buy some stuff. Uh, mine, ours was like a big deal. Ours yeah. was like monthly. It was I don't monthly. think. I feel like ours was like quarterly. I feel like. Yeah, maybe it, it was two quarterly. Or three times a year. Yeah. Like, when it happened, it was like, oh, it's an event. Mm-hmm. It was like Black Friday. Yeah. Like, it was like, oh, it's coming. Oh, the book fair is coming. I wonder what that oh, was all about. Oh, the book fair what is the point coming. the book fair? Well, to read. To get us excited about reading? Like, yeah. I'm going to buy a book that I want to buy. Yeah. Okay. And just, well, and I remember, do you remember summer reading lists? Oh, yeah. Oh, that was a big get. We had the Pizza Hut thing. Did y'all have that? What's a Pizza Hut the thing? The Pizza Hut thing was like, for every book you read... You had a list of books you could read, you yeah. know, 20 or 30 books. And for every one that you said you read, uh, you'd get a coupon for a personal pan pizza. Oh, my pizza gosh. Hut. Yeah, it'd motivate us to read. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. It was great. And then be like, all right, man, I got two. I got two down already. I'm going to go pig out. I never. Okay, so I was talking to Leslie, my friend that did cut my hair yesterday, who is a genius. And I love her. Anyway, I was talking about reading, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I and I was like, I need to read more, obviously. But when do people read? Like, here's the thing, I <laughs> I know obviously I read online. You know, I, I no no big deal. Uh, spoiler alert, everybody! I uh, I'm a part of the New York Times now. Look at you. <laughs> so uh, they send me updates about Biden a lot and what's going on in the world. You finally got tired of those pop-ups that would restrict you from reading <laughs> yeah. further into the yes. article. It just was like, fine. Like, here's like $4 a month. <laughs> I did a one-time yearly payment boot uh-huh. so I could get 50% off, obviously. <laughs> no, but I forget what I was saying. Reading. When, when and where do people read? Yeah. Like, do you make a... <laughs> I, I find it... like, Like, I honestly will enjoy it when i'm settled Mm -hmm. and and then i'm sitting and i set a timer and i'm like for 30 minutes Uh i'm gonna read then i'm like okay but then i of course get you know add and i go read a bunch of other things when i'm there i'm I'm putting the effort in turning the pages Mm -hmm. uh but it's not like a leisurely thing it can be i don't know because okay here's here's how i see it i'm in my book right I'm reading about this awesome book. So, uh, some stupid woman and her kids that are dying or whatever. Like, whatever Nora Roberts crap I pick up. Okay. <laughs> then somebody interrupts. Like, hey, how are you? Like, you're in public, right? Uh-huh. You're reading in public. Where are you reading in public? I'm just reading Park in... bench, food court. What are you... <laughs> well, anywhere. Uh-huh. Everywhere it's public. Okay. You know? And then, so then they're interrupting me. Why'd you choose to read in public? <laughs> Why not go home and sit on the couch? Okay, so we got that whole window, that reading nook window, perfect. 
No, oh, go on. I'm not trying to shit on your no, example. I under I'm hearing what you're saying, but okay. in this example, so you're I'm reading outside. And a stranger goes, Good day, madam. <laughs> yes. And, and I'm then, like, Oh, and I'm in the middle of this juicy part, uh-huh. and then I have to turn. Yeah. I have to hold my place. Uh-huh. I have to remember exactly where. Yeah. Uh, being nice, be engaged, person in front of you is most important person. Da, 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 and then you go back. Uh-huh. And then I have to re okay, we're starting over. Where are we again? Ugh. Like I'm in the middle. Like I have to start over all the well, time. I think that's on you as far as like <laughs> wait, choose a place and a time to read where you're not going to be constantly interrupted. Okay, my question to you is this: uh-huh. You do you are you like oh, okay around six p.m. I'm going to read my book. I wish that was the case that I had designated reading time, but I don't. Uh, but I do like to just randomly come in here to the record room, and I love to. I, I don't do it as much as I should, but put on a record and just. Read a book. In my, see, in my you nice can do. Couch. See, you can do both. Uh-huh. So, in your mind, when you're reading, uh-huh. you can focus on reading, and then the music in the background is this, this like. Well, you're right. It depends on what type of music. Like, if I'm reading, a lot of times, if I'm reading or writing, I listen to music a lot when I write when uh-huh. I try to write jokes. But it needs to be instrumental music. Yeah, like instrumental. that's why. That's what got me into jazz. Really, I started listening to a lot of jazz because I wanted to listen to music while I was writing. But I didn't want to be distracted by vocals and lyrics and things of that nature. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's awesome! Yeah. So yeah, I lo- when during COVID is when I read the most. Remember, I used to sit out on the stoop you, in my yeah. chair. Oh, who in the world oh, is calling you right now? Scam likely. I let's put them on. Put them on the air. Oh, they shit. They just. All right. I wow. love messing with those people. I know you do. It's a little too much. There was a time where you were getting a little too feisty with it, and I was like, you call, okay. You called me. You're going to put up with my bullshit. Okay. Uh, but no, I read a lot during COVID. I would sit out on the stoop in my oversized lawn chair and just read books I like, for hours. that. Because I just had nothing else to do. We weren't supposed to leave. I couldn't go out and live my life. So I was like, I'm going to go sit on the stoop and read. I know it makes you smarter. Mm-hmm. I know it, but it's never okay. Here's the thing. <laughs> I here's how my mind works. Okay, I'm gonna read. Okay, where am I gonna read? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go find a chair. And what what chair should I sit in? Oh, there's that bench seat. That's a really cool reading spot. I don't know. Okay, I need a blanket. Where's Charlie? I need three drinks. I'm so hungry. Okay, am I gonna be hungry when I sit down to read? Maybe. I don't know. I'm gonna go to the fridge. Oh, there's string cheese. Okay. Oh no, reading. Okay. Let me get a light. Is there enough light there? I don't want to hurt my eyes. Like, I'm setting up my environment. Yeah. I get all set up, uh-huh. right? And then it's like, here's the main, you know, the show. And then it's me being like, there are an abundance of, mm. like, I, because my dyslexia and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard for me to focus mm-hmm. and read, and it takes so much. And then I'm like, ugh. And then it, I'm judging how I'm reading. Like, is this how how fast people like? Is my mind too fast to read? Like, why am I not reading faster? Wait, what's going on? I just I read like eight paragraphs. I don't know what they said. Yeah, I do that a lot. I'll read a whole page while my mind's wandering, and I'm like, wait, I didn't absorb any of that. Okay, I'm having a flash of a high school teacher entitled Mr. Tuttle. I think that was his name, Mr. Tuttle. It sounds like a fake name. Mm-hmm. Anyway, long story short brilliant dude but his daughter died and he was real dark about it and his uh the uh his classroom clock was always set at 124 or whatever and that's the time his daughter died it just stayed that way yeah he like made it stay that way that's, fresh that's yep much. well and he was grieving he got you know 
we all go through mm-hmm. stuff. But um, he was a speed reader, and he had to go to special speed reading classes because when he was little, his mind, I'm sure, was a neurodivergent one, and they to use his powers for good, he learned how to speed read. So, and really take it all in. And I remember him explaining like, Oh, you just look at each line. Like you're like looking down a list, but he could literally look at one page in four seconds. So like his eyes didn't go, uh, it went, didn't go, it didn't go side to side, but like vertical, but he did read, like there's a weird, there's a weird way of doing it. Yeah. And so then I thought, okay, cool. That's my thing. Like, what if I became a speed reader? Mm-hmm. That would be dope. But then I didn't look it up or anything or yeah. do any work on it. Well, I feel like <laughs> speed readers is what you graduate to. No, no, no. No, he said, okay. listen, Mr. Tuttle, yeah. I remember this vividly, maybe or not, and I could be making it up because I do that a lot too. Um, but I think he chose that and because he had to... Uh-huh learn how to read in a better way, more efficient way, because he was just shit in the bed reading. Like, that just seems like the person who has knee trouble and they can't walk great, and they're like, well, I'll just start sprinting. See, I think it's, hey, this person has knee trouble. Instead of car- this cardio, let's give them this cardio. I think it's a different cardio. Uh-huh. I see what you're saying. But he was a very smart man. Mm-hmm. He wore little glasses. Well, he did. Oh, God, that was Like, funny. cute little, like, you know, professory glasses. He was a smart man. He wore little glasses. Yeah, he was sad, but, like, that was his... You know when someone's super smart and they're quiet mm-hmm. and you're just, like... Like, he was so strict, but it wasn't... We were all just terrified of him. What subject did he teach? History. History. Like, AP history. Mm-hmm. I wasn't in AP history because, mm-hmm. you know, I... Didn't want to be advanced placed anywhere. Mm-hmm. I was fine, just regular. <laughs> but all my smart friends were in advanced history. Were you in AP classes? I had a couple. Oh, I was in AP English because mm-hmm. I knew how to tell stories. There you go. Am I right in my head and go. outside? Um. Anyway, Mr. Tuttle. Mr. Tuttle. Taught me about speed reading. There you go. I just think speed reading sounds more fun, too. But I don't know. And then when you're reading... Why does so, it sound more fun? Because it's faster. Like you're getting it over with. <laughs> it seems challenging to me. like Because for most people, the goal of reading isn't necessarily to finish the page. It's to absorb the words and what's being written. And yeah. it seems like it's more, the faster you read, you know, the faster you have to absorb and comprehend it. And that seems like a challenge. I know. It's a lot. It's a lot. Mm. There's a lot to do when it comes to reading. It's true. But I need to make it fun because I know I'm getting dumber and I need, I know I, you know, I'm going to try. Uh-huh. But it, yeah. I mean, how do you, you know, do you know what I'm, you don't know what I'm saying. Well, I, no, I do know what you're saying. I think. When do you finish reading? I think Like part, when is it like, oh, I'm sitting in the book. Okay. Time finish to finish reading, reading. When the book is done. Yeah. But though you just said don't finish. It's not about like just finishing the book. No, it's I mean, about that's not enjoying the, the friggin' process or whatever. Yeah. What good does it do to sit <laughs> down and read a book just if you didn't absorb any of it? Like you don't get points for just. Okay, my eyes looked at every word in this book. Okay, good, but 
the point of reading is to get something from it, whether it be enjoyment or knowledge or something. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I understand reading. Thank you. Do you? Yeah. I'm just saying, I don't think you're getting the whole like, okay, when you, someone's like, oh, I'm a reader. Uh-huh. So I, what does their world look like? Like they come home and instead of watching Housewives, they'll they'll open up a book. Well, yeah. And the point I was about to make is I think they'll... part of reading successfully or en- enjoying reading is to read things that you want to read. Like, oh, I want to read this novel because I heard it's great. Or I want to read this textbook or whatever because I want to learn about this subject. Like, I think that it's the same way, like, if all we did was watch movies that you hate, you would hate watching movies. That's true. I don't like watching movies. All these movies suck. Yeah. What if we tried watching a movie you wanted to watch? That's true. That's true. I think you have to choose books that, that, you know, get, get, that whet your appetite. Yeah. I think I go, yeah. I haven't found my genre. Mm-hmm. Look, I was into the self-help genre, which uh, my friend Jazz once famously said, you have every single self-help book. One of them's going to work. One of them's going to work. <laughs> it made me laugh so hard. Um, and those were, you know, those are good, but it's all the same stuff. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, meditate and don't be an asshole. But like. <laughs> That's that whole industry. <laughs> Literally. Med- just, meditate, don't be an asshole. And like yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how? Because, uh, long story. But you, okay, going back to the teens, so you were going to tell us about some Gen Z dating terminology? Oh, shit, yeah. I was going to tell you. Okay, uh-huh. so the Generation Z, and now those are people born after 1995, mm-hmm. okay? So these are all the the youths. So Gen, Gen Z is born after 95. Yeah, apparently. Wow. It says Gen Z, how people in this age bracket differ from their... Pres- blah, 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 blah. Okay, yeah. So they, first of all, they don't have a, as much sex, a lot of teenagers these days are that. shagging less. Yeah. I've heard studies yes. about what do you think that's about? Hello, they're in their pods of, you know, uh I guess just computer or right? They're not out hanging out all together. Yeah. And yeah. there's so many diseases and crap. It's like why would I even uh I'm good. Well, you'd like to think that I don't know. Disease I mean diseases existed when <laughs> when I was a teenager, but I'm saying you need to be uh, trying to date people that probably don't have as many diseases. I'm saying, yeah, are diseases running rampant amongst <laughs> no, 16 I, and 17 year olds? That was such a Nana. Ex- yeah, I don't know. I'm just like, diseases, it's fine. No, but I think you hit on something there. Uh, what we were just talking about earlier about kids spending too much screen time and not going out into the world. That's, you're right. They're not. At parties as much. It, it, yeah. I don't know, but I'm saying if that's the case, they're not at parties as much. They're not physically, socially hanging out as much. Therefore, the opportunities don't arise as often. Yeah. That I, I mean, here's the thing. I didn't date in high school. Uh-huh. We all know this. And by we all, I mean you. And I've talked about it on here. Um, Man, I was a late bloomer. You went to high school with some dorks. No. If I went to high school with you, boo, we'd have you would have been going steady. Oh, boo! I'd have been all over you. No, I would have. What's your been, name, lady? I would have just hid in the lunchroom no. and like. <laughs> hide. You didn't date at all in high school. Didn't date at all. Wow. I didn't date. I had crushes and stuff. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, one of my crushes is in jail now for murdering somebody. There you go. Oh, yeah. The guy who <laughs> oh. shot up some people in uh, San Bernardino. I'm not laughing at that. I'm laughing that, of course, that's... You want to tell that story real quick? That happened about three years ago. Was that before COVID? It was on the that news. Was pre-COVID, yeah. And you were like, oh, shit, I dated that guy. <laughs> no, I, no, I was in love with him. Mm. I just thought he was the best. And he, uh, I would drive him home, and I would always... I was here was my pickup line like we should I've never kissed somebody we should practice. That was your pickup line. We should practice kissing. How old were you? I was like sixteen. We should practice. Shut up! I don't know. I thought it was cute, and he just made fun of me. You should have asked him if he's ever made out in a bar. Shut up! I I waited till <laughs> years worked. years later. That worked for you. That did. <laughs> okay. So, so anyway, that guy, uh, who uh, you don't have to say his name or whatever, but what did he do? He sh- he, he shot, he somebody, shot a bunch didn't of he? people. No, he shot two people. I don't think he I I, think... did. He murder somebody? I don't know. And I'm so sorry. And rest in peace, everybody. And I'm sorry. But yeah, uh, when your high school crush murders people and goes to jail, wow. it's kind of weird. And I'm sure there's some gals I've dated that are probably in jail right now. Oh my gosh! <laughs> really? I dated a couple. You think so? Uh, yeah, there's probably. Or are they too smart to get, there's get one caught? Or, there's one or two that definitely <laughs> spent some jail time. Put it that way. <laughs> so horrible. So you didn't date in high school at all. I know. Meanwhile, you're like having sex with teachers. I don't know what you're doing over there. You're you're being all inappropriate. You're making and... shit up. No, you said that you're you were taken advantage of. You were illegally. You were not raped. I'm sorry to say. Oh, oh, she wasn't a teacher. What was she? She was just, yeah, I was technically, technically probably a victim because she was 18 and I was not. How old were you? Don't worry about it. 15? Were you 15? No. (laughs) Were you 14? No, 15. You just looked down. I can't tell if you're lying. Okay. For. I, mean, I don't know exactly what we're referring to, but that 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 you were fifteen and she was eighteen. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy to me. <laughs> I was barely going to. I was getting my braces fixed, and I, I had things to do. Me and mom were were to have an iced tea contest. Yes, we used to have iced tea contests. Okay, we would both have a jug of tea outside look at that yeah i was doing cool stuff okay i was busy oh harvey's here (laughs) here. harvey wants to hear about all the tea (laughs) but anyway okay so they're not having sex as much Uh the youths right now so this is like 18 to whatever um they have new terminology want to hear it sure okay so uh there's a the way we talk about relationships ready so these Gen Zers say things like Riz. Do you What's, know what no, Riz No, I've means? seen that online. I have no idea what Riz is. All right. So this, mean, it's short for charisma. Okay. And it's commonly used among Gen Z. It's very popular on TikTok. and refers to someone's ability to flirt and attract a potential love interest. So how like, would it be used in sense like that guy's got good Riz or I'm a lot assuming, of Riz? Yeah, Riz. It doesn't give an example. We're so nerdy so right you now. you use it in a sentence? Uh, so Riz, like charisma. Mm-hmm. Just think Riz. But like I'm going to drop some Riz on this gal. And who knows? And maybe Gen Zers are just a big Grease, you know, musical lovers. Because, you know, Rizzo, she's in 
Greece, and she's a cool person. Rizzo. I don't know that character. Is that the main character? It was one of the main characters. She's the bad girl. Who was... Uh, she was a part of the Pink Ladies. Olivia Newton-John. Was she in that? Well, yeah, she was in it, but she was sandy, and she was boring, and from Australia, and like... I always got Olivia Newton-John and Juice Newton confused. Who's Juice Newton? I think she's a singer. Oh. I didn't even know there was a Juice, Juice Newton. Newton. What a great name. That sounds like a uh, spinoff of a Fig Newton. It sounds like the, the Fig Newton people got into the beverage game. <laughs> it does sound like that. <laughs> Try our new Juice Newton. Juice Newton for your bowels. All right. Now, when both parties do not define the relationship, you know, that we're just hanging out, right? Uh-huh. We're just dating. Uh-huh. We're Gen Zers. We're dating, whatever. This is called a situationship. A situationship. A romantic or sexual relationship in which both parties do not communicate clearly to define their status. Unlike friends with benefits, neither party in a situationship is certain of what the other is to them. That's horrifying. That's if somebody said I was in a right situationship, I'd be like, I what? Yeah, what are you even saying? That's two people that just can't say what they want. That's situationship. Just, just vague. Okay, everybody stop. Charlie, Everyone's, calm down. Okay, Harvey, our cat, and Charlie are very cuddly lately. Very cuddly guys. Yeah, situationship. Why don't you go screw yourself, whoever came up with that one? Yeah, that's... I don't like that. Friends with benefits is actually nicer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're having sex with your friend or whatever, but at least friends is the first part. Mm-hmm. Benefits. That's positive. Two positives, but situationship, it sounds like a sentence. I always thought friends with benefits just sound like you have friends with good jobs. <laughs> <laughs> He's got dental. He's doing well. He's doing good. Good for him. How's your portfolio? <laughs> strong. Quite strong. All right. Now, there's another term. Do you know what cuffing means, boo? No idea what cuffing means. Okay, so it is derived from the word handcuffed. Handcuffed. It's the act of being tied down to one partner, usually during the colder months of the year, also known as cuffing season. Why colder months of the year? Because cuffing, like animals, it's cuffing season. So I guess animals do that. Like they find. Yeah, but we're talking about humans. Yeah. What does it matter that it's wintertime? I, I don't know. It's during be... the colder parts of the year. That's what they're saying. That's this is bizarre. what the Gen Z thing says. I mean, yeah. That just seems weird. Yeah. So tied down, like when it's cold, I don't have the energy to go and screw around with other people. Yeah. So I'll just be good and hang with you. Yeah. Kind of before summer. That happens a lot on the Smash Hit series Summer House, which I think everyone should watch. It's on Bravo Television. Um, I never thought about that. This is yeah. really interesting sociological stuff. But like if you were single, you know, let's yeah, say you're, you're single you're in the summer. And you're, you're having single, fun. But I, 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 single people, you think they have more sex in the warmer months? Yes. And then when it gets to winter, it's like, okay, because yeah, cuffing season is usually around when it starts to turn to fall. Okay, let's get into a couple. Let's do folly things. It's getting colder. I never. Let's go to autumn, and it's more coupley, and then Christmas. Like that's why you're not allowed to ever, ever break up with somebody in like the fall winter. I've never thought about that. That's amazing. Yeah. Huh. Cuffing season. Yeah, and then when it's spring break rolls around, I need to be single again, so I can go get down. Yeah. No. It's it's all strategy. Yeah. Never thought about. Yeah. I mean, I've I've heard of like. 
it's a dick move to break up with someone a week before Valentine's Day or that kind of thing. Yeah, but, but I, like Christmas. Yeah, you got to be respectful. Seasonal stuff like that. Oh, yeah. What? Yeah, you're going to hang out with somebody. It's going to be freezing outside. Let's find somebody that we have the same Netflix show compatibility. I don't know. All right. Next, have you ever heard of the term breadcrumbing? No. Okay, so when somebody consistently checks in with a romantic prospect, dangles the possibility of a date, and keeps them interested, but never follows through with what they really want in a relationship. This is called breadcrumbing. So leading somebody on. Yeah. Breadcrumbing. Like, here you go, here you go, here you go, here you go. Did we ever breadcrumb each other? 100% 100% we breadcrumbed you each breadcrumbed other. You breadcrumbed me? Oh, man, I tried. Really? I was so bad at that game, yeah. Because <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, we should hang out, and then we would. Like, it wasn't like... <laughs> like, breadcrumbing is probably... It's like playing the game. Like, hey, I'm going to talk to a bunch of guys, not just one. You used to do this thing with me Shut when up. we were on Oh, and my off. God, I want to die. At, like, one in now. the morning, you'd be like, hey. Like, we, we'd be on a break, too. We wouldn't even like be technically there. You'd be like... Hey, want to come over? And I'm like, it's pretty late. And you're like, pussy. <laughs> I think it's one in the morning. Like, yeah, I'd love. I, I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. I want you now. But it's come one, on it's over. One I'm in bored. The and you'd be like, you pussy. <laughs> what an you asshole. You're scared to leave your house. <laughs> like, it's one in the morning. Yeah. Why don't we just. I'll see you tomorrow. I know. And I didn't want to make a plan, though. Yeah, you never wanted to make plans. Oh, dates. I know. You never. I never did. I would always be like, I... let's have dinner tomorrow and oh. see where that goes. You're like, no. <laughs> Come over now or you're a puss. <laughs> like, all right. I know. You're 30. I'm you old and awful. <laughs> see? Old and awful. All right. This is the last Gen Z term. Okay. This is called soft launching. Have you heard of this? <laughs> Insert joke here. In, soft launching? Not just. Yeah. Soft, oh, just, I see. There's something there. Like a penis. Yeah. Soft. Okay. Uh, posting a discreet photo or video of your par- new partner on Instagram or other social media to announce your relationship while still hiding their identity. Holy shit. Soft launching. What's the point of that? Oh, my God. What? Posting a discreet photo or video of your new partner on Instagram, social media to announce your relationship while still hiding their identity. Why? You know what that reminds me of? Soft launching. You know how in a documentary. That's terrifying. Like a true crime documentary. Sometimes they'll interview someone, but that person will be like, I want you to uh, disguise my identity. Yeah. But then sometimes they'll just show like a little bit of their face. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. the lighting. Like you could show like my chin. Yeah. It's like I don't want anybody to know what it is me, but maybe just a little. Yes. I never understood that. Why not just completely black them out or pixelate them? But just the the weird lighting where you can kind of see that that's a blonde-headed lady. Yeah, but that you don't is know an which, odd. You know what I'm saying? That's, yeah. That feels Soft the same way. launching. That just seems like mean. Like, uh, here's my new partner. Like a soft open to a restaurant. Yeah, like, I don't want to go to the soft open. I'll, I'll tip you. You don't have to give me the percent off. I don't want free food. Just bring me to the actual show. Or, the, you know, when the restaurant's open, everyone's going. No. No soft launching. This is wrong. So, like, 
That's like a food truck, and then if you're really dating, then you you got a brick and mortar. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> it just seems so vague and weird. Yeah. All these terms. Now, there's no telling. You're talking about like dating and stuff, but there's no telling what kind of weird terms they have in, in terms of like sexual context. Oh. You know, just... Oh, I didn't even think of like that. Like, half of the stuff you said there, I initially thought it was like a sex thing. Well, also... Like cuffing. Hey, I've been, the... trying, been tried cuffing. It saved my marriage. It does sound like a sex <laughs> thing. Well, apparently work is more important than mm-hmm. sex to the Gen Zers. It's good for them. Yeah, they're preoccupied with social media to care about shagging. Okay? We were talking about this the other day off the air, but like... Yes, I dated a lot in high school and college, whatever. But like one thing I'm I'm truly proud to say, and this this might be revealing too much, but I never let uh, I never let my sex drive or my desires get me in trouble. That's well, one thing. What do you mean? By well, that? just for men, so many men, their dick gets them in trouble. Yeah, that's you know, true. with cheating or lying or not even cheating, but just you know, trying to hook up with someone that you know is trouble or you're going to lead to something bad. Like for the most part, I never, like I always, even in my prime, those prime years, I I still had the wherewithal to be for the most part to use good judgment and not let like, for example, when I was a cop, like 90% of the calls I went on involving a dude had something to do with sex, either directly or indirectly, mm-hmm. meaning two guys fist fighting over a woman, right? Or you know, a domestic dispute because the the lady caught the guy cheating, right? Or just guys doing, just guys being led around by their dick, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. And I, I was proud that I never, to my knowledge, to my recollection, I never let my desire or my drive get me in trouble. Because it just, I always, just certain people and certain things, just not worth it. Yeah. Like that's that's more trouble than it's worth. As much as I'd love to go out and get laid, I'm not going to uh, just let it lead me down a, a path that could hurt me. Yeah, absolutely. I know that sounds weird and vague, but like, do you know what I'm trying to I say? I do. No, yeah. no, no. I absolutely do. Well, we're, we're so many guys, like just... It's amazing how just judgment and common sense just flies out the window as soon as some people get horny. Yep. Like, well, it's just like drinking or it's that dopamine, right? Mm-hmm. So you're like, oh, I have, I am going to get a hit of dopamine and adrenaline from this event and activity and person. And that brings you very awake and alert and mm-hmm. excited. And then. Much like everything, you get a tolerance to it with dating or with whatever. And it's like, oh, yeah, like, I'm a human being. They're a human being. (laughs) A relationship is work. Yeah. And a relationship with yourself is work. I don't say that as, like, a bad thing. It's it's a constant watering of the garden, Mm -hmm. if you will. (laughs) You can't just, oh, I'm going to go pick the fruit and later, nerd. Yeah. And not to say, you know, like, and I know – Probably especially with this younger generation, you know, casual sex is probably a little more prevalent. Or maybe not. You're saying that they're not hooking up as no, much. No, not as much. But I still, you know, no, but for sex those is a who thing. are, I'm yeah. sure casual sex is just what it is. But like, it was like I was talking about last week. Like the reason I never just bought a stranger, a lady, a drink at a bar because it was like, okay, yes, in a perfect world, 
this is an attractive lady. I'm a single guy. Maybe if I put forth some effort, this could lead to somewhere fun. But I was always like, eh, it could probably lead to a lot of drama and bullshit too. Wow. And I was always scared of that. Like, nope, I'm just not going to pursue someone sight unseen, basically. Like, I have no, I don't know anything about this person. Yes, it might lead to a random, fun, one-night stand, but there's a good chance that it could lead to God knows what, because I don't know anything about this person. Yeah. Other than what she looks like standing in front of me right now. So, no, I'm not going to initiate and try to pursue something just based on that's a pretty lady standing near the bar. Yeah, that's true. Like I never had desire to pursue somebody that I knew nothing about. Right. So that just it just seemed like oh, just so many. It, it always seemed like the the negative could easily outweigh the positive in those situations. Yeah, so that, I can see that. That's why I was never that dude. That makes sense. It does. Don't. <laughs> I had a sneeze in my nose, and I oh. thought I was going to sneeze, and then it didn't. Do you know how to push that sneeze over the No. Break? Two things. If you're about to sneeze, and it's you're, and you want to sneeze, but you're afraid it might filter out or fizzle out, look at the light. Look directly oh, into Oh, the, and then... That'll push a sneeze over no the No kidding. And then to uh, suppress a sneeze, this comes in handy a lot. I've used this hundreds of times in public. But if you're about to sneeze and you don't want to sneeze, you're in public, you're yeah. in church. You're yeah, whatever. you're busy. You're press reading. <laughs> the, press hard on your upper lip. Oh, like right. You taught me that. Where your mustache would be if you yeah. if you were a guy had a mustache. And have and a girl who has to shave every day. But like, you just okay. press hard on that and that'll make the sneeze go away. Nice. Although I do love a good sneeze. I, oh, yeah. I love a good face fart. I love a good face <laughs> fart. <laughs> paint the wall. Love a good sneeze. Paint the wall. Well, Boo, thanks for the Gen Z dating oh, update. Hell yeah. I, I'm obsessed with this generation. They're so scary and smart. So mm-hmm. I'm going to keep, don't worry. This will be more. Uh, I'll be coming back with this. Okay. Don't, don't be afraid of the teenagers don't, out there. Don't do it. Hmm. <sighs> we had some other stuff we're going to get to, but we're over an hour now. So maybe well, we'll save that for next week. Do we have any word of mouth? Oh, uh, we, yeah. We watched a great movie <gasps> last night. We oh, can talk about gosh. that for a few minutes. Watch one of the best movies I've seen in a while. It was so beautiful. I honestly don't know if I could talk about it because I might start crying out of joy and love and amazingness. We watched The Whale, you guys. It was great. Now, let me preface this by saying, and I said this last night when we were watching it, if you're not paying attention, if you're not emotionally mature enough or interested enough to really sink your teeth into this story, if you're just kind of half-assed paying attention, I could see how you'd be like, what the fuck? Okay. The, the 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 prosthetics. See, I oh, I see. No, I it didn't bother me because he was such a good actor, and I was so invested in his character in that story. Yeah. But I could see how someone not paying attention would be like, "What? Well, it looks like fat bastard, boy. Look how fat that guy is." Yeah. But there's so much more to this movie than that. Yeah. It's a, well, he's Brendan Fraser's character is 600 pounds, mm-hmm. and it is, I think, one of the most. Well, listen, here's the thing, guys, too. We haven't had great luck in movies lately. Yeah, we've had some stinkers lately. Real bad. So this could have been like, oh, it's a fine movie. It's just desperate for a decent movie. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) No, I think it was much more than a decent movie. But it was. I really enjoyed it. The acting was insane. 
Brendan Fraser, I mean, that was one of the best performances I've ever seen. Yeah. And it was, he was such, I loved his positivity and mm-hmm. his hopefulness. And it was a hopeful movie. It wasn't, you know, oh, vague and mm-hmm. down and ugh. like, it was just humanity and how we all struggle with something, whether that be food or, you know, hurt or whatever your addiction may be. But just seeing it in such a human way and just seeing somebody kind. Yeah. And who just wanted to be seen. Yeah. But was afraid. I mean, that's just, it was really cool. It was really cool. Well, it's such a layered and complex movie, too, because it could have been easily three or four different movies, mm-hmm. and each of them would have been great. And what I mean is, if this was just a movie, about the day-to-day challenges of a 600-pound person. Mm -hmm. If it was just about the obstacles and challenges, both physical and and psychological, then that would be an interesting movie. But there was so much more to it. If it was just a movie about one of the storylines, if it was just the movie Mm -hmm. about a bad father having regrets Mm -hmm. and then his teenage daughter getting old enough to really process not having a father and... How know, that's being being her pissed and, at him, and yeah. that would be a good movie. Mm-hmm. If it was just a movie about the friendship between Brendan Fraser's character and his his lady friend or his platonic friend, the Asian lady, yeah. who by the way, that lady crushed it. Amazing, and I do think she is nominated for uh, an Oscar, best actress. Yeah, I remember okay. when we were talking about that. I I mentioned her name, and I didn't really know who she was. <laughs> but if okay. it was just a movie about their friendship, yeah. how selfless that lady was, yeah, and how much she cared. For him, and and how much he cared for her and appreciated her, so like there was three or four different movies they could have made out of this thing, and each of them would have been great. But the fact that all these things were layered into the same movie and the same story, it was incredible. And it was such a good story. It was so, um, it was like a showcase of what I loved about it is it's literally like in a scene. Like I was, I'm doing improv or whatever, right? So in the first two lines out the gate, if you're in a scene with somebody, you have to base reality, mm-hmm. like get out. You know, it, you could tell with good writing, like, you know, Detective Jones, this swamp is incredibly smelly. So I just gave you, you're a detective, we're in a swamp, okay? Mm-hmm. So now what are we doing? Like in a line, you could do that, yeah. right? And this felt like a showcase of, of, of just emotionally doing that. Yeah. Like it was. Each line and each actor cared so deeply about the other person that you just it it was just a whole different level. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it. I it really affected me. And obviously, guys, listen, it's a, a father and a daughter. You know, that's one of the stories. And what got me is how kind he was to yeah. his daughter. Yeah. And even though she was just so hurt and angry, rightfully so, like he I don't think that's a spoiler alert. Like he, you know, left when she was eight and it, she has every right to be upset, Mm -hmm. every right to have all this rage and anger and stuff. And, and he didn't try to just scream at her and tell her, you know, get over it. Yeah. It was like, okay. Like he accepted it. Like he took it on the chin and was like, you're right. Like you're right. Yeah. But you're also awesome. And you're also a beautiful person. And, and he believed in humanity, and he believed that people were amazing. Yeah. And his philosophy was inspiring in 
I mean, it inspired me and like really made me be like, wow, like I I took care of my dad. It, it did not look like the movie The Whale. <laughs> it was different. It wasn't pretty and it wasn't, you know, it's just what you have to do sometimes. And if my dad had spoken to me like that, I was taking in what Brendan Brazier was saying and it was just so kind and loving and sweet and it just made me be like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, as a human, you can do that way. Mm-hmm. You can you can go the other way. Like, you don't have to razz and make someone feel silly or, you know, yeah. ch- hard jokes. Like, you can just be this accepting person that's like, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I made some mistakes, but I sure do love you and you, you're the best thing I've ever done. Yeah. And, like, it was just so, um, I mean, it just moved me. Yeah. I was moved. Yeah, it was a powerful movie. I know that sounds cliche, but uh, it really was. And like I said, there was just so much to to dissect, so many different angles to look at it from, mm-hmm. and even just the obvious, just the the like extreme obesity. It, it just made me think, like, mm-hmm. and I think this way about homeless people or unhoused people, as far as like some people look at a homeless person, they're like, well, they did it to themselves. Okay, oh, no. may, maybe, yeah. may, maybe not. Maybe, sometimes it's mental illness. Sometimes yeah. it's drug addiction, whatever. Maybe, maybe not. But at the end of the day, that's still a human being sleeping mm-hmm. out in the cold on the sidewalk. Same thing with this guy. Like, okay, you could argue that someone who got that big, well, they did it to themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a self-inflicted thing. Okay, maybe. But at the end of the day, this is a guy who can barely mm-hmm. move because mm-hmm. of, you know, his choices or whatever led him to this. And But just... I'm as you know I'm not a religious person but I do remember the bible verse that was crammed into my head all those years uh but by the grace of God go I mm. you know just like I'm overweight you know and I mean we we talk about this a lot but like you know I I'm definitely recommitted and I'm I'm aware and cognizant of you know mm. what I need to do but like you know, if if you do, in in his situation, not to give, mm-hmm. I don't want to spoil too much, but like, you know, he 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 wasn't always that big. You know, something happened mm-hmm. in his life that that really bummed him out and, mm-hmm. and had an impact, and so he slowly just got that way. But I'm just saying, regardless if it's his fault, regardless if it's the homeless person's fault, it, regardless, at the end of the day, these are still human beings mm-hmm. that now have incredible challenges in front of them mm-hmm. and it's it's hard not to be empathetic or sympathetic to that and he was and in the movie he's uh an english teacher uh-huh. uh so he's uh teaching remotely mm-hmm. he doesn't leave his home and he's this brilliant wonderful teacher but he doesn't show his face yeah like he, he keeps his camera his zoom camera yeah. off right? he tells the class that his camera's broke or something and i think that was such a cool choice too in the movie of like he really is almost a prophet uh-huh. like just here i i want you to tell the truth like all he wanted his class to do was tell the truth yeah. write me something truthful yeah and i even that i i would like to rewatch it with that little side story because like once you tell the truth like in life in whatever it's like yeah you have to cop up to it yeah. all right that happened 
much like his obesity or, Mm -hmm. you know, my mental illness or whatever it is. Okay, yeah. Uh huh. But we got to move on, not move on, move forward. Yeah. So we got to keep keep it moving. (laughs) And you could keep it moving in a good way or bad way, you know, and it's it's neat to see. I just every part of that movie was just such a beautiful example of I mean, it was just watching addiction and redemption and hope. And it's really a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah, it was was a really good movie. So, yeah, I have nothing but great things to say about it. And I made the comment while we're watching it. it, It's a credit to the writing and the acting because, like, visually it's not a very interesting movie in that... You're right. It's one of those what we would call a COVID movie in that... Right. The whole movie basically takes place in one setting. Yeah. And so in in those movies usually annoy me and... We've diagnosed it. We know because a lot of these For movies... For two, that, three years, the world was in nature. Yeah, sure. they had to kind of isolate themselves and shoot movies differently. But part of why I like movies is I like seeing the natural scenery. Yeah. I like seeing wherever they're at. You know, if they're set in the country, I like seeing that. If they're set in the city, I like seeing that. I like to see the different settings, their house, yeah. their work, their bar, whatever. This basically was just... The whole movie was in his apartment, which normally would be a problem for me as far as my interest in the movie, but the the story, the writing, and the acting was so good that, that didn't, I didn't barely think about that. Yeah. It was just a day. It was such a great like day in the life of mm-hmm. this person, yeah. and respectfully. It wasn't making fun of anything. It wasn't... I, I truly just saw somebody like, oh, these are addictive behaviors, yeah. and this is how I cope with things when things get hard or when I get a trigger or yeah. whatever. You could see how it can escalate to that point. Yeah. And I really didn't even notice this in real time until uh, later that night. (laughs) And not to, you know, I'm definitely not um, making light of his character's, you know, affliction or whatever. But like, um, did you notice the whole movie? I was basically just subconsciously doing kettlebell exercises. You really were. (laughs) You were. And I I didn't want to say anything. (laughs) But, I was just like, okay, let him live. As someone, I, now, fortunately, knock on wood, I'm not, you know, my my obesity isn't as extreme as his character's was. But uh, as someone who's always struggled with their weight, when you see someone that big, you're like, oh, yeah, okay. It, it Well, it's a double-edged sword. It's A, it's, well, at least I'm not that big. But it's also like, yeah, but you could be if you keep going down the path, you're going dummy. So, yeah, like, I don't but... know, just, like, subconsciously, like, every few minutes I just get up and kettlebells <laughs> while I'm watching this story about an extremely obese man. No, I understand. I was doing mental kettlebells, so I couldn't, you know, mm-hmm. just get in a deep, it all goes together, baby. And that's that's low-hanging fruit, and I've said no, this I, my, yeah. myself, too, but, like, when people are that big, like, well, they didn't just wake up one day, but, like, and I, but I think that's the point. Yeah, they didn't just wake up one day, and now I'm 600 pounds, but I think it's such small steps in the wrong direction mm-hmm. that you don't, you may not notice it till it's just extreme, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it's yeah. easy to say, like, well, how does someone let themselves get that way? But, like, you know, yeah. the, we all are calibrated differently. Yep. Uh, both mentally and physically. So mm-hmm. you take someone that experiences some trauma, mm-hmm. and the only comfort they can find is eating, mm-hmm. and then mixed with maybe he's also got just t- 
terrible metabolism mm-hmm. and other things. Mm-hmm. It's Sedentary like, lifestyle, yeah. all it's that. Like, oh yeah. shit! You know, you went from this weight to this weight, and that they kind of alluded to it in the story that well, he said he wasn't always this big, and I think they showed some photo like. This was a fairly quick transition, like yeah, within probably the last five years or so. Yeah. You know, where he just, okay, this year I gained 20 pounds, and next year I gained 60 pounds, and then the next year I gained 80. Oops, and now I'm 400 yeah. pounds overweight. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, e- even if you just look at it on a surface level, just the, the challenges of a, an obese person, it's an interesting movie. But then just the story and the writing and the message and the tone it was it was a great movie and it we really needed was. it yeah and I, I don't think it was just what we we're joking about i don't think it's just we were desperate for a decent movie like i think i think it was a good movie it we was so beautiful so many stinkers lately but yeah this one was really good it was hopeful mm-hmm. i love that there was hope and and darren and dross aronofsky yep i always do that uh but he's done what like the didn't he do mother did he do mother that one with I know he did The Wrestler. I'm pretty sure he did Requiem for a Dream. He did The Good Nurse, The Territory, Catch the Fair One. I don't know any of those. Oh, wow. I don't know either. Uh, Mother. Yep. Remember that with Jennifer Lawrence? Did we the see weird. That? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Black Swan, I The Wrestler, Requiem. Yeah. So he, his earlier stuff is so dark. Right. <laughs> yeah, the same guy that made Requiem for a Dream made this movie. That's crazy. Yeah, it feels like somebody went did a lot of soul work. Huh. Like it feels because the philosophy of it felt so enlightened. And I I know I'm LA ish and I know I'm into all that crap, but like it it felt like oh good there's there's still good mm-hmm. there's still good yeah. isn't that neat like because so many movies right now I just walk at walk away being like dang this sucks mm-hmm. like. And obviously, it is a hard time in the world, in life. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I can't imagine trying to create a movie during COVID times or, you know, whatever. But to see a hopeful uh, spin on this story, uh, the, I walked away with a hopeful thing. Yeah. Who knows? You could walk away. You know, whoever mm-hmm. watches it, that's what great art is. You could walk away thinking something differently. But it was just neat to have... This really cool, edgy director that did Black Swan and like all these like cool, dark movies. And it's like, oh, wait, like you you appreciate story. Mm-hmm. You appreciate the human condition mm-hmm. and and good acting. And you're a good director. And look what happens. Like yeah. a good script, good people, good direct. There you go. Yeah. It's it's you're well taken care of. Yeah. And that's the point I was trying to make early about this movie was um it's so much more than the novelty of Brendan Fraser in a fat suit. Yeah. Or prosthetics or however they did that. Like, which by the way, like some of that, that stuff was... wasn't easy to see, but like they did a good job on it. It wasn't cartoony. It wasn't yeah. weird. It was just like, Oh wow. There's okay. So much this more person... in this movie than the novelty of just, Oh, it's about a big fat guy. And they, and you pointed out in the credits, uh, was it the obese? Yeah. There was something uh, in the credits. Like we'd like to thank the, and I'm going to okay. get it wrong, but it was basically the American obesity society or yeah. something of that nature. Yeah. Like you could, they made, Reference to that they worked hand in hand with them yeah. to make sure that nothing came off as exploitive or punching down. Right. Or, and know. it wasn't. Uh-huh. It was respectful and it was kind. Like every, th- I think that's what it was. Like things were done. You could tell it was a kind 
people understood, okay, we're not going to just do this 600-pound man movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not going to be like Big Mama's house. It's it's literally like, okay, yeah. this is a person that got to this point. Mm-hmm. How? Yeah. And then we kind of find out, and then we find out, you know, what his whole life goal was. Yeah. And it just was really cool. Anyway, watch it, guys. Yeah. Watch it. Yeah, definitely uh, worth checking out. So, uh, well, good times, Boo. Oh, it's been a joy. It's been a, always a pleasure. Oh, it's been a real treat. Anything to plug? Where can we find you on the social media? You know, at KT Low Strandberg, KT Low, and then Strandberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, on the Insta and you the TikTok. Still making TikToks. Still making the TikToks. Yeah. Getting some views. No yeah. bigs. What about you, Boo? Well, Anything to plug? We'll save that for next week. But you have a, you had a TikTok. I uh, got bamboozled. You got bamboozled on TikTok. We'll talk about that next week. I just want I just want to let everybody know. Here's my little word of mouth. Don't trust TikTok psychics, okay? Well, I'm glad you told everybody that. <laughs> no one could ever just assume that on their own. Alright, boo. Oh, thank you guys so much for listening. We love you. Bye!
Okay, thank you.